you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, all friends. Thank you for having us here with you. Uh, It's so good to be with you. It is a genuine highlight, actually, of our time up here in the Gold Coast to be opening up God's Word, to be with you as a church. We love being at church. I love Sundays. I love gathering with the people of God. It's a a thrill to do that with you this morning here on the Gold Coast. And thank you so much for for your prayers. We do ask that you would keep praying for us. We're going to need the support of lots of brothers and sisters in Christ as we strike out and plant this new church in Ballarat. Uh, If you don't know Ballarat, it is a beautiful place. The name in the local Waradaran language means resting place, and it is, it's apt. It's on the doorstep of some really pretty parts of Victoria. You've got the Grampians, the mountain range just a stone's throw away. You've got lakes dotting the landscape. There's big skies, big sunsets. It's it's naturally a very pretty place. Uh, it's also a city, small city, built on a rich heritage. Uh, it was a gold rush town, and so it still has the trappings of, of wealth from 100, 150 years ago. Um, it's a, a pleasant place to be, and so it's a growing city. It's Victoria's third biggest urban area, uh, about 112,000 people at the last count. Uh, it's a, a growing city with people moving there from further out in regional Victoria, and also people leaving Melbourne uh, and making that a home. And so with a growing population, you'd think the, the, the churches, the Christian population is also growing, but that's, that's not true. Uh, like lots of Australia, the, the Christian population is shrinking about 20% down in the last 10 years. And so you've got a, a growing number of people moving there, but a, a shrinking Christian presence. The time is right for us to plant a new church. God has called us at a timely moment in history to to start something new, that we might see more people come to know Jesus in this growing city. So we'd value your prayers. Uh, You'd value your prayers that people would come to know Jesus, people would be encouraged in their faith, their existing churches, of which there are lots of good churches in town. Would they be encouraged by having another church uh, planting in Ballarat? And we do pray that we might be a a city on a hill, shining the light of Christ into uh, our town. Please pray that with us. Now, speaking of Christ, we are going to get into His Word. So we've read, Sam read from Revelation 7, and this is a beautiful picture of God's vision for His church forever. It's His eternal vision, and and this is the passage we're going to look at for our first service in Ballarat next week. And the reason is because if, if we know the end of the story, if we know where God is taking us, well, that's going to shape the start of our story. That's going to be a great encouragement for us to to think about what we're doing and why we're doing it. As pastors, we can get so caught up in in kind of vision speak, right? It's my three-year plan, or it's my three- or five-year vision. It's my seven-step strategy. But this this is God's vision. This is God's plan for His church forever. And so that's got to be a good place for us to start our life as a new church, and I trust it will be encouraging for you as a church, just a little bit older, a little bit further down that road. I pray it'll be an encouragement for you as we we look at it today. Uh, Revelation is an incredible book. It's written by the Apostle John, that is Jesus's good mate, John, and, and Jesus gives John a series of visions or revelations to encourage the church of his day because they're doing it tough. They're, they're facing pressure from outside 
and from inside. Uh, It's a, a dramatic book, it's a prophetic book, it's an apocalyptic book, but actually at its heart, it's a a letter, a circular letter written to real churches in real places, in real moments of history where they are facing opposition. And so this revelation from Jesus is to encourage them to keep going, keep Him as their focus, uh, because as life throws some heavy punches, and we know that, don't we? Life will not always be straightforward, but These revelations are there so that they would keep going. They would stick with Jesus. It will be worth it. Why will it be worth it? Because Jesus shows that they will have a a future centered on Jesus and a future secure in Jesus. If you're the note-taking type, those are our big headlines from this passage, uh, that it's a future centered on Jesus and a future secure in Jesus. So come with me. If you've got your Bible open, let's see the first thing here in Revelation 7, in God's vision for our future. It's a future centered on Jesus. Uh, In chapter 7, John sees two pictures of the church. It's a kind of before and after vision of the church before a great tribulation, a a trial that they will endure, and then it's God's people after that trial. So check out the after picture with me. Let me read again from verses 9 and 10. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So in this vision, John sees a a great multitude of people, too many people to count. It's God's people pictured in heaven gathered around His throne. And what we have here is a long-term promise that God is keeping. Way back in the beginning of the story, the Bible story in the book of Genesis, God makes a a promise to Abraham. He's like the, the founding father of His people. And this is the promise. God says, I will bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand on the seashore. Now, hands up if you've ever tried counting the sand at the seashore. Good luck if you've done that. We've got one. Yes, good. Uh, It's hard, right? It's impossible. It's an impossible task. Next time you're down at the beach, run your hands through the sand and look at those little grains, individuals falling through your hands. That's the the picture God promises for His people, one that, that cannot be counted, but He knows how many people are there. And look at this great multitude. Look who's there. It's a a gathering from all tribes and peoples and languages. This is a group of global and cultural diversity. God has gathered people from every single community across the world here before His throne. And with all that diversity, what's the thing that unites them? What's the thing that they are gathered around, they're they're drawn to? Well, it's, it's God the Father and and the Lamb, the Son. And they're there before the throne where God rules, where God orders His new creation. And look what they're holding and what they're wearing. They're they're wearing white robes. It's a, a picture of their purity. They've been made clean by the Lamb 
so they can stand before God. Any, any sense of sin or unworthiness or anything that runs against God's character is gone. We're going to see why that happens later. And they're holding palm branches. They're celebrating this great victory. It's, it's the salvation that has been won for them by God and the Lamb. That is their song in verse 10. And then the angels are in this scene. Now, they add these words of worship in verse 12. Come have a look with me there. They sing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So, what have we got here? We're seeing this, this little glimpse of eternity. There, there's this multicultural multitude of believers. They're dressed for worship. They're crying words of worship. They're waving the palm branches in worship. And all of it is oriented around God and the Lamb. They're at the center of this vision, the very heart of the picture. And friends, if we consider ourselves to be a Christian, that is the future that awaits us. If we're here this morning and we're not a Christian, that's the, the future that we're invited into, even today. It's a future centered on Jesus. And so it begs the question, what does that mean for our lives now? Well, this is the, the call that God places on the life of any follower of Jesus. It is to orientate our lives towards Him. Yesterday, we were at the beach, uh, and we are there for some winter sun, but you realize that about two or three o'clock, you've got to actually keep moving along the beach to avoid the shadow from the buildings as the sun goes down behind them. So, we're kind of constantly shuffling ourselves to make sure that we're in the line of sight for the sun, right? We're Victorians. We need this little hit of vitamin D. Well, so it should be with Jesus. Our lives should be kind of constantly reordered and reevaluated so that we're in line with Him, so that we're centered on Him. Paul touches on this idea in Romans 12. He says that we are to present our bodies, that is our whole selves, our whole lives, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is our spiritual worship. It's a whole of life worship to center our lives on Jesus. He alone is worthy of that, Paul is saying. He alone is, is worthy of being at the center of our lives. He alone is, is worth emulating. That's what it means to worship Him. And this isn't just a, a Sunday thing when everyone's looking, right? This is a, a through-the-week thing when nobody else is looking. We need to ask ourselves as we wake up and we start every day, am I centered on Jesus today? How can I center myself on Jesus today? So think about our jobs, for example, right? They, they can be centered on Him right down in the detail. You see, when we do our jobs like Jesus would do our job, we, we worship Him. We show that we are centered on Him. So say tomorrow we're at home with the kids and we care for them with the grace and the patience and the enthusiasm that Jesus would. Well, well we're demonstrating that He is worthy of worship, He's at the center of our lives. Or say we're uh, an electrician and we're fixing the wiring in a house or we're installing a, a new switchboard with the same care and attention that Jesus would. If He was doing that job, well, we're worshiping Him. We're showing that He's at the center of our lives. 
Or, or say when we're leading a, a meeting tomorrow with wisdom and we're valuing every person in the room, we're listening to their contribution, we're following through on action items with integrity, like Jesus would. We're showing that He's worthy of our worship. He's at the center of our lives. He's the one we're emulating. And that's before we even get to speaking about Jesus, before we even get to sharing the hope we have in Him, before we get to making much of Him with our words and and sharing why we think He's worthy of being at the center of our lives. If our future forever is centered on Jesus, well, that's got to have an impact on now, doesn't it? That's us as individuals, but it's also true of us as the church. It's true for us as a body of believers, a little glimpse, a little picture, a little experience now here at City on a Hill Gold Coast of that eternal reality when we will gather with all of God's believers from across time and space. Now, you guys know this if you've been at City on a Hill here before. You you know the the simplicity of our mission, and I love that simplicity to know Jesus and make Jesus known. That's why we exist, right? To be a church centered on Jesus. That is your mission here on the Gold Coast. That's our mission now in in Ballarat. And that, that is when we're scattered up and down the coast, right? Living lives centered on Jesus, salt and light in our communities. People around us should know that Jesus is the one we're worshiping with our lives. That's when we're scattered, but it's also true when we're gathered here on a Sunday. You should hear us make much of Jesus when you come and join this church, right? That makes sense. We'll be singing about Him. We'll be teaching about Him. Our kids are are learning about Him at City Kids. We'll be talking about Him up front. We'll be praying to Him. We'll be sharing stories of what He's doing in our lives. We should be centered on Jesus when we're gathered as a church. Uh, We'll have His Word ship who we are and what we do, right? I'm convinced, and I know Sam and and Jimmy and the team are here, that God has spoken through the Bible. He has inspired it to be written through human authors to people in particular places throughout the course of history, and and God has done that so that they would be encouraged and built up, and, and He's still using that Word. He's still doing that among us today. And so, we work our way through the Bible. That's kind of our normal pattern at City on a Hill, to open God's Word and work through it verse by verse, letting God speak as He intended it to be heard carefully, book by book, confident that that as we do that, God's going to speak truth and beauty and life into our lives. And then, empowered with His Holy Spirit, He's going to move people from from darkness to light, from, from death to life. That's why we open His Word every week, to let Him order our lives now and and invite us into these full and flourishing relationships with Jesus. If our future is forever centered on Jesus, we should be now, right? Now, I don't know how this goes in, in Queensland, but in Victoria, it's getting more and more challenging to be laser focused on Jesus especially when it comes to embracing the the totality of His Word. It's pressure from inside certain churches to kind of cut bits out of the Bible, to make it more palatable in public, to soften it. There's pressure outside the churches for we're being slammed for for being so out of touch with the kind of progressive agenda in the world around us. But, But you know what? It's nothing new. 
The churches John shares his revelation with, they're facing the same pressures. So Jesus gives John this revelation to share, to encourage his people. It's a a picture of eternal vindication for a life centered on Jesus now. So yes, there's pressure to conform. Yes, we're going to get a few knocks for being focused on Jesus and being out of step with the wisdom of the world. But you know what? God's way wins. God's wisdom wins out. This is the future that God has for us. I want you to be encouraged by this vision, brothers and sisters. Keep Jesus as your focus. Keep doing what you're doing here on the Gold Coast. He's our future. So hold fast to him now. It is centered on Jesus. Here's the second big takeaway from this vision. Our future is secure in Jesus. One of the stories of last year for our family before we moved to Ballarat was where are we going to live, right? It kind of hung over the last sort of six months of our life in Melbourne. We'd be traveling up and exploring suburbs and sort of narrowing down where we think we want to live. And, and then it would be rental applications. You'd be going in weekend after weekend, driving up to view houses to rent. And then you'd be applying and, and get knocked back or you'd hear nothing. And so eventually we're living with this sort of anxiety, right? This uncertainty. What does the future look like? We know where we want to be, but we didn't know where we were going to be living until finally, December 28th, we got a a green light. We could move into a house in about 10 days. So it was all systems go, right? We knew where we were going to be. And so everything else gets organized. You start culling your stuff and you start deciding what you're going to keep and what you're going to give away and what actually needs to be thrown away. And and you start working out how you're going to move everything there. Once that home was secure, even though it was still in the future for us. Well, everything else was relief in the moment. We could, we could organize, we could plan, we could prepare, and it's a bit like that. In fact, it's a lot better than that for the Christian. Knowing our future is secure in Jesus impacts our life now. Come with me in Revelation 7. Let's look at verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, John, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, we've said already that that Christians since Christ have suffered opposition for following him. It's part and parcel following a, a Savior who suffered and died. It's not you. It's not unique. Uh, But there is this reference here to a great tribulation the elder speaks about, and that could be uh, the sense that before Jesus returns, there's going to be a spike in opposition that Christians face. It could be a marked increase in that pressure before Jesus returns. But, But in the vision, the people dressed in white, they're not sort of a select group of Christians that have gone through that really, really intense period of opposition. No, it's it's every believer from across time and space who has been washed white, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. It's the song we sang uh, first up this morning. John has already told us how powerful the, the blood of the Lamb is. In chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus is praised for His sacrificial death with these words, For you were slain, And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. It's a ransom 
that has been paid by the blood of Jesus. It's his death on the cross, his, his life that was given up so that people could be ransomed. His work has secured our future. Anyone gathered around the throne in this picture of heaven, anyone there is there because Jesus has paid for us to be there with his own blood. That's true for every single one of us. So we need to watch our own pride. We think there's something we can do to to earn a place there. We don't secure our entry into this glorious vision by really, really, really good behavior. We don't get there because we'll pass a theology test that some other Christians are at risk of failing. That's not why we're there. No, we, we are there because of Jesus. And if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, we need to hear this too. We're there not because we're a really good person, not because we can sort of charm our way in with a, a wink and a nod at the pearly gates. We can say the right things to to work our way in because we've always done that through life. That's not why we'll be there. We won't be there because our good things kind of outweigh the, the bad things that we've done in our life. That's not why. We're there because Jesus has paid for us to be there by his blood. If you're banking on being in heaven because you deserve it, please reconsider. Christ alone secures our future in God's presence. And it is a, a glorious future. These last few verses are are such a a beautiful vision of eternity in God's presence. Look again at at verse 15. I'm going to read these last three verses. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Why would we not want to take our place in this picture? Why would we not want to be there? It's a picture where God protects his people. He shelters them from the the scorching heat of the sun. It's, It's a picture where he provides for us. We won't be hungry because He will sustain us. We don't need to worry about food. And and He will shepherd us to springs of refreshing, life-giving water. I'm so looking forward to the the new series that we're starting across the movement next week because we're going to see what what life full and and flourishing with Jesus looks like. We're going to be invited to go deeper, put deeper roots into our relationship with Jesus, both as individuals and as a community. But you know what? Even still, what we have now with Jesus, it's like having a, a shower, right? It's kind of refreshing and enjoyable and, and cleansing, but it's just a drop of water compared to being in those rivers of living water that will wash over us with Jesus forever. That's what awaits us. And look at this, uh, verse 17. Lastly, do you see that there'll be no pain? No suffering in this future secured by Jesus. There'll be no sin. That's the the root cause of all pain and suffering. And so there'll be no tears. This is such good news when we're hurting. That God himself will wipe away every tear. That we'll be reunited with precious people we've loved and lost. If they too are trusting in, in this future secured by Jesus. 
We'll be free of any of the, the grief that death brings. We'll be free of any of the, the pain of disease and death for ourselves. They're gone. We'll be free from any of the, the anxiety and the uncertainty that, that grip our lives now. We won't be subject to market forces or anything else. They're gone. We'll be free from any of the, the frustration and the friction that comes with messy human relationships. They'll be gone. God Himself will be there. He will provide all we need. He will shelter us in this future He secures for us in Christ. Isn't that good news? And isn't that news worth sharing? This is a big motivator for us in planting a church in Ballarat. We, we long for more people in that city to be there in this future picture, gathered around the throne. We believe that Jesus really will come back. He will bring about this new world order. And until then, the doors are still open, right? There's, there's still an open invitation for anyone. And so we yearn for our neighbors and our, our colleagues and our family and our friends to come to be gathered around God, enjoying Him forever. We've been praying for people, all of us as a, a launch team, praying for people around us in our lives, that they would come to know Jesus. We've got to keep praying those prayers. And so it's a risk, right, planting a new church. It's, it's a risk. I, I'm still asking myself, do I really have what it takes? Do I have the, the kind of oomph and the, the grit that we need to, to make this happen. I'm trusting that the Lord will provide. But we might fail. We hope to be self-sufficient in three years. That's kind of the big financial goal of the church, but we might not get there. That's our hope, but it might not happen. We might not see the multitudes we, we hope for come and join us and the church grow. Uh, it's a risk. But you know what? If our future is secure in Jesus, that is a risk worth taking, isn't it? So we can take risks now. If only one person comes to faith in Jesus through this new church plant, then it's worth it. If only our launch team are encouraged to keep making much of Jesus, to keep orientating their life on Him and centering their present life now on Jesus, then it's worth it. I really genuinely do mean that. It's a risk worth taking. And so I want to ask you this question, are you taking any risks for the gospel in your life now? If your future is secure in Christ, well, why not? It's a risk telling the people you, you work with or you study with or you live with that you're a Christian. That is a risk. Your reputation's on the line, but, but are you taking that risk for the sake of the gospel? Are you taking a risk by inviting some mates to the next Alpha course so they might hear more of this relationship with the living God that we enjoy. It's a risk, but it's worth taking. Are you taking a risk by giving up some of the, the free time, precious time you have to serve at church, to use the gifts that God has given you? It's a risk, putting more time here and less time somewhere else. But that's a risk worth taking. Let's Go big. Are you, are you taking a risk by thinking of, of dropping some days at, at work so you can get to Bible college, so you can think more deeply about what it means for you to serve the Lord with the gifts He's given you? That's a risk worth taking. But is it a risk worth it? If we can serve His church and advance the mission of the gospel here at City on the Hill Gold Coast? I'm sure this is true here that our next church leaders are already in our churches. Our next city kids or city youth coordinators are here already. 
Our next church planters, they're here already. Our next leaders here at City on a Hill Gold Coast, our next gospel community leaders, they're already here. Are you ready to take a risk if, if Sam or Jamie or someone taps you on the shoulder and says, will you take on some more responsibility for the gospel? There are risks involved in living life for Jesus. There are risks involved in going deeper with Jesus. But if our future is secure in Christ, if, if He has done everything to guarantee our place at this glorious forever picture gathered around the throne of God, isn't that a risk worth taking? What if your neighbors or your friends or your family, what if they were the ones that heard the good news of the gospel and, and they were gathered with you around this throne of God? Our future is secure in Jesus. It's centered on Jesus. Just last week, I shared uh, my most recent sermon in Melbourne with uh, a good mate of mine, Johnny. Johnny's grown up kind of around Christianity. He's been through church. He doesn't want a bar of it now. He's kind of happy for me to be a pastor. But every now and again, I get this prompt to, to kind of take another risk in our relationship. So I sent him my sermon. I asked for some feedback. I asked what he thought about some of the kind of punchy bits. And that's a risk, right? He might tell me where to go. He might say, oh, can you leave me alone? Can you kind of stop banging the drum on this? I've told you what I think. Our relationship's at stake every time I kind of put it out there again. But you know what? If, if Johnny's there with me, gathered around the throne of Jesus, we're standing shoulder to shoulder singing praise to our great and glorious God. Isn't that a risk worth taking? I pray that he will be standing there with me and that we all will be standing around that throne, singing these words, blessing and glory and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and power and might be to our God forever and ever. That is true today, friends. So let's organize our lives around this great truth because that's what we'll be singing forever. Amen? Can I pray for you? And then we're gonna sing together again. Gracious God, we thank you that you have shown us this picture of your church forever, gathered around your throne, making much of you at the center of our lives, at the center of our existence forever. So Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for City on a Hill Gold Coast. Lord, I pray for each person gathered here, that you would encourage us with, these, with this picture, Lord. You would encourage us with these words that, that Jesus is worth orientating our life around now, Lord. Jesus is worth it because he has secured our future forever. And so God, I pray for us if we're wavering or we're wobbling in our trust of you today, I pray that this would be a great encouragement to see the security that you have won for us, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for those of us who are hurting, who are feeling the punches that life throws at us, Lord, I pray that this would be a great encouragement. I pray that we would know the promise of a life without pain and suffering forever. Would we get even just a little taste of that today, Lord? Lord, I pray for us if we don't yet know, we haven't yet taken up this invitation to center our lives on Jesus. Lord, I pray even today, Lord, you would show us afresh why Jesus alone is worth having at the center of our lives. Lord, I pray that all of us would delight in our relationship with you, Lord, that we would make much of you, for you alone are worth it, Lord. 
We praise you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would continue to build us up as your church, build this church up, Lord, for the good of people here and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.